Hello, and welcome to the Healthy Habits, Happy Homes podcast hosted by the Guelph Family Health Study. If you're interested in the most recent research and helpful tips for a healthy, balanced living for you and your family, then this podcast is for you. In each episode, we'll bring you topics that are important to your growing family and guests who will share their expertise and experience with you. Our quick tips will help your family build healthy habits for a happy home. Hello, and welcome back to season three of the Healthy Habits, Happy Homes podcast. I'm Lisa Tang. Hi, I'm Sabrina. This episode, we are joined with Samantha Casey, who works at the Sustainability Office at the University of Guelph. She is a recent graduate from the Environmental Governance Program here at our university. She is a passionate advocate for climate change. She's also a co-founder of an organization that seeks to empower change in her community with youth-powered solutions. We are happy to have her joining us this episode to talk about household sustainability and practice. So welcome, Samantha. Uh, yeah, thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm very excited to get started. Well, we're excited <laughs> to have you here. So let's start maybe by talking a little bit about yourself and how your passion for climate change has brought you where you are today. Yeah, so it's really exciting because I actually kind of remember the first time that I got really interested in like waste reduction. It was actually like my grade six. I was in the recycling team way back when in grade six when our recycling teams were kind of just starting. Uh, so I was in the recycling team and I got so interested looking into garbage cans and recycling bins. I was like, whoa, what's like getting put in here? Like, why is this getting put in here? Um, and kind of had that like first thought of like, where is this going? Oh, that's fun. <laughs> so it kind of works out well because now that's what I do at the university on like an institutional level. So it's quite nice to see the change that's gone there. Um, but yeah. So the grade six skills definitely yes. made it <laughs> to adulthood. That's yeah. great. It was, I have to say like a huge thank you to all of like my teachers and like my family because um, being a child is always so into the environment and having that support and like that encouragement like hey yeah like pursue this pursue this like do something with this um, it was quite nice because that's kind of how I got to where I am now is I was like oh yeah like there is a field in this and like this is what I am interested I should definitely look into this so that's cool. Yeah. I think we need more kids who are excited to be looking in recycling bins. I think yeah. that's really great. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's really amazing. I love um, any opportunity that we have to like speak and like listen to youth, uh, especially like the ones that we talk to now, like they're just so informed and it's incredible uh, to like listen to what they have to say and just their ideas. Like they're so fresh and like such an amazing perspective that I was like, wow, like that's incredible. Awesome. Yeah. Now, you're also the co-founder of the Peel Region Community Climate Council. So we'd love to hear more about that and this organization, like how it came together, perhaps, and what sort of projects are involved. Yeah, so uh, this project was really neat because I had just finished my degree here at the University of Guelph. I was like, okay, what's next? Like, what am I going to do? And my whole degree was kind of focused on um, climate action, governance, um, kind of like sustainability as a, a general broad term. And so I was like, okay, I need to do something about this. And I found this opportunity through this program called Youth Challenge International. And so they actually were uh, recruiting for climate action catalysts. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. So it was for my hometown in Peel Region. I applied and got accepted and started That's and awesome. it was myself and four other university students from across uh, Ontario that got put together all of our hometowns were Peel Region 
we kind of we got together and we pretty much stared at each other because we were tasked with making a climate action kind of project for a region. Uh, we met with municipal partners. We were like, okay, there's so much. There's so many things we could do. We pretty much just, like end up staring at each other, being like, okay, what's next? <laughs> like, what could we do? Um, and then when we were sitting there talking, we all had such different experiences and so many different ideas. And there's just so many opportunities that, of stuff that we could do that we ended up saying, well, why don't we bring in more people? Like, there's only five of us. There, there could be so many more. Uh, and we could kind of have like that youth voice because that's some one thing that we noticed uh, when we got started is a lot of people were like, oh, youth, youth that are really like engaged. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we want to hear from you. Like, what's going on? Like, what do the yeah. youth want? And we were like, oh, like you like you don't know, like you're not speaking with youth. And they're like, no, like it's hard to get like a engaged youth. And we were like, OK, yeah, like so that's what we need to do. Right. Um, so we kind of stared at each other and then we're like, OK, a council, like let's make something formal. Um, and let's make something that like provides an opportunity for other youth. So it's really nice. We have, we're currently in the midst of interviewing, but we had about almost 30 applications, which is kind of crazy because we were here being like, okay, maybe we'll get five and we'll be a council of 10, but we had about 30 applications. Wow. So we're looking at about 20 youth, which is ages 14 to actually 30. So that huge range yeah. uh, of everything. So it's quite nice. It's um, pretty incredible to know and uh, we plan on kind of doing like political literacy, climate advocacy, um, getting together and kind of formalizing. Um, we're just kind of like a collective and like um, just a sample of like the youth voice. Like we don't want to speak for all youth, but for our region, we want to be that opportunity to be a youth voice, uh, which is really exciting. Uh, and then some of our activities that we're looking to do, um, <laughs> we've had so much interest so far. So um, we want to do kind of different topics and different actions. So we actually have groups working on different things. Uh, however, one thing I'm really championing is a lot of public health focus. Uh, so we want to do, when there is heat waves in the summer, we actually want to do uh, community cooling centers. So uh, encouraging people to come out and then actually talking about it. Like, why are we, like, why are we coming out to a cooling center? What's happening? So kind of adding that like literacy part of climate versus, and then also like community building and getting people to like go and talk to their neighbors. Like, hey, do you know like your neighbor down the street? If something happens like a bad heat wave, do you know to go check in on them? Mm -hmm. Do you know like what needs they might have and kind of getting that community back back in? That's why we started, um, instead of being like a youth climate council, we're like, let's be a community climate council because we're really focused. We're youth powered and youth led, but we're really community focused as a whole. That sounds like a really important project for communities for sure. Um, so because our talk today is centered around um, household sustainability practices, we are wondering if you have any myths that you can debunk for us surrounding household sustainability, especially because um, most of our listeners are parents with young kids. Yeah, there is a lot of myths. A lot of what my job and my work with the Climate Council is kind of debunking those myths. Uh, so kind of around climate change, uh, there is this myth that there is no global scientific consensus on climate change. So I am not a climate scientist, but if you do look and see, there is quite an overwhelming consensus and affirmation from the scientific community that uh, climate change is anthropogenic. And so what that means is it's happening and it's caused by us. It's caused by humans. Um, if you see the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, uh, so they're an independent body of about 2,000 scientists. 
Uh, their research, which I think they've collected over about 25 years, uh, shows without a doubt that climate change is real. Uh, it is happening. It's happening right now. It's not future anymore. It's something happening right as we record this podcast. Uh, and it's something that's caused by us. So the research is all there. Uh, if you look and see... Um, there's quite a few documents online that actually synthesize science communication. So uh, it takes some of this like data, climate science. Uh, we're not all sci- climate scientists, so sometimes it can be hard to read if you're looking at these graphs. I know even myself, um, sometimes I'm like, what does this graph mean? Uh, there's a lot of ones that actually break it down. So uh, if you're sitting at home and you're like, I'm not a climate scientist, that's okay. There's a lot of information uh, online that breaks it down and explains it um, at every level. Excellent. So that is uh, one myth. And then another myth that uh, we often see either like on the Twitterverse or uh, just you'll kind of hear some people remark still is like snowing outside. Exactly. I could use some global warming right now. Or what do you mean global warming? Like look at the snow. So sure, it might be snowing right now or it might be a particularly cold day, but that doesn't mean uh, that climate change and the climate crisis isn't real. Uh, the scary thing is the trends and patterns. So though it may particularly be one snowy day, uh, that doesn't really mean anything because that's weather. So weather is short term, so it might be like kind of specific to an area or region, whereas climate's like a long-term average of those patterns. And that's what's scary, is looking at those average long-term patterns. Uh, for example, data uh, from Berkeley Earth, which is a climate institute in California, a lot of their data shows that there is like record-breaking heat temperatures in the summer. Uh, July 2019 was actually the warmest month on record for our planet. Oh, wow. So kind of crazy. If you're like, July wasn't too warm, like I don't remember being that warm. It's a global temperature. So even though you might not have experienced it here, people around the world were experiencing it and there was quite a few hot record temperatures. Wow. And it affects a lot of people. A lot of people are kind of feeling the heat and these heat waves that we're getting, they're getting quite deadly and they're quite intense. And that's the thing too, like they're only gonna get more more frequent and more intense. So that's one myth uh, that that is often kind of brought up. So uh, now you know, uh, the weather versus climate thing is quite quite interesting. But another myth as well is a lot of people kind of often say like, well, one person can't make a difference. We have this huge kind of individual versus systematic uh, kind of debate going on. And I get that quite a lot because sometimes people are like, oh, well, like, why are you trying so hard at the individual level? Um, We don't need individual level, but we do. We need to change the system, but first we need to change the people. So if the people change, we can also have systematic change. We need both. That's there's no argument about that. We can't just focus on individual change. So individual change is great, but we need individual change to happen to make systematic change happen. So what that looks like is having kind of policy-driven climate action. So a lot of uh, what that looks like is individuals kind of putting that pressure on companies or government governmental bodies and kind of being that uh, voice. So that's a lot of what our climate council is trying to do is be that voice and kind of get involved in policy. So that's why a lot of what we're looking at is kind of political literacy and explaining how we need individual change, but we also need systematic change. And I know that can be kind of scary for people because often people are like, I'm not a climate activist or like, I'm not that politically engaged. That's okay. Even if you make the changes that we'll kind of talk about in the next segment, uh, those kind of actions and even like the small actions every day, they, they do kind of start to count up, especially when we're doing them as like a community and then a society and a nation, they count up and everyone kind of making that change whether you consider yourself a climate activist or not is kind of showing that 
people are changing and that we need that. So and based on like the impression, like when you were in grade six and how that influenced you, even if parents are perhaps making those changes at home, their children yes. kind of grow up where, you know, being environmentally sustainable is just kind of part of their fabric. Yeah. Like I rem I often say to people, like, really lead by example. Um, and parents have a huge role in that. Like, I remember my parents being like, oh, remember your reusable mug or forgot reusable bags this time and, like, had that kind of, like, that sense of, like, mm -hmm. guilt when they're like, oh, we forgot our reusable bags. And that plays a huge deal because we're often seeing, too, like, when I speak with youth, like, a lot of them are like, oh, like, we recycle at home. Where's the compost? We compost at home. And a lot of, like, what's happening at home we really see because it is, like, once your parents are your, probably your biggest role models. So if parents kind of make those changes, a lot of it reflects to youth. And they're like, my parents are, like, doing this. My parents are taking climate action. Like, they were walking me to school or they're, like, taking me for bike rides in the summer. Um, it's awesome. Like, a lot of what we see and, like, when I'm talking to even ever. Uh, others that are getting involved in our climate council, a lot of them are like, I want to do this because I can. I also too want to talk with my family. Like, not all families are super environmentally minded. That's okay. <laughs> Youth also have this awesome kind of advantage because if they're the ones getting that kind of education and that inspiration. So, like my grade six class, I remember when I was on the recycling team, I went home and I was like. <gasps> we have to properly recycle. Like, why aren't you washing your recyclables? We need to wash out that peanut butter jar. And I was almost like policing my parents. And my parents still joke about it now because a, <laughs> a lot of what they do now is because I was that child that was like, you got to do this, you got to do that. And it was stuff that I was like learning at home or learning from like organizations that I was like, we could change, we could do this. That's awesome. Yeah. You mentioned um, like using reusable mugs and walking mm -hmm. and uh, cycling instead of taking uh, a car. Do you have any other specific tips for families, especially uh, families of kids with like really little kids? Yeah, I definitely. There is a ton of things that you can do. And one thing that I really want to stress is sustainability can often, um, it's one of those things that can, people can think of like, oh, like I need to buy like reusable mugs and like I need produce bags that are reusable and I need a reusable, like all these reusable bags and reusable products. And those do help, but even just like the simplest changes can be where you start. Um, you don't have to have like that Instagram picture perfect, zero waste pantry. Those are really hard to obtain, especially if you have small children that like snacks that do not come in zero waste packaging. Um, and that's the thing too, like I would really stress to children and just to all families, like you don't have to be perfect. Uh, like just making those small steps is awesome. I'm definitely far from perfect, especially when it comes to waste, um, just because of like the society we live in. Like there's things that I'm like, oh, I can't find that in um, sustainable packaging. But then what I do with that is like, like next time I'm out at a grocery store, if I'm not at a store, I might like mention it and be like, oh, did you have this? But like, is it in any different packaging or example, like a soap? Like I might go and find it in like a cardboard packaging versus a plastic packaging. Cause then I know with the cardboard, I could like actually reuse that for something or hold it in something else. Um, so kind of even having those conversations uh, I have so many tips, but some of them uh, for here, for example, if you are Guelph-based, um, if not, there's also other kind of organizations like this in different communities. Uh, but if you're Guelph-based, there's things such as you could book a home tune-up with Emerge Guelph. 
Uh, so it's actually a home retrofitting tune-up. So they'll come in and they'll actually assess stuff like your toilet. Like, is your toilet running? Toilets are actually one of the number one causes for water loss in a home. And a lot of people don't think about that. Uh, so it's a great way to save money. It's really fun for your kids because it's kind of like, be a detective, see like what's, <laughs> what's happening. Um, they also kind of connect you to rebates and incentives and programs. So really great opportunity. It's also a really great way to kind of empower yourself because if you learn those steps of like, oh, I can learn how to check to see if my toilet's leaking or check and see like, can I tune this up? Yeah. Um, uh, where is our heat escaping? Where do they find that information? Yeah. So Emerge Guelph is a local organization. You can find it online and actually book your tune up right online on their website. Really exciting. There is or other organizations like this uh, across Ontario. So if you are not Guelph based, uh, you can always look up online. There's also awesome organizations like Project Neutral. Uh, they have tons of tips and tricks as well as Emerge has some tips and tricks. And then another great thing I kind of stressed this before is Start small if you're trying to like make a waste reduction like in your lifestyle. Uh, you don't have to be like, oh, like let's do one big haul of like everything sustainable. Even if you start room by room, because that's actually how I did it when I moved off to university. I was like, start in the bathroom, like what can I change? So kind of doing that audit of like, what, am, what are we actually using? And then being like, okay, so my soap, like how could we change that? Oh, shampoo, how could I change that? So you could do it like shopping trip by shopping trip. You don't have to be like, okay, complete. Some people mm -hmm. want to do that, which is awesome, but it might be easier if you move it in. And then it also kind of adds that conversation if you have it with your kids. Like this is why we're changing our plastic shampoo bottle. We're changing it to like shampoo bars or this is why we're moving the soap to this. It's kind of fun. Uh, it can also be a great thing. You can like make them kind of like detectives. So like, what what waste are we throwing out? I mean, I find that fun. I find <laughs> some some youth might really find that fun. And I just looked up the Emerge uh, Guelph and the contact info, like their website is Emerge E M E R G E G U E L P H dot C A. So Emerge Guelph dot C A altogether, one word. Thank you. Yes. Um, another tip is to try and make uh, your sustainable choices habit. Uh, that's one thing that I find is really helpful. It's kind of fun too if you like make it either a competition or a challenge with your kids, bring in your partner. So you could do stuff as like unplugging electronics. Uh, so plugged in electronics, even if not in use, still pull energy. It's called phantom energy. Maybe grab a power bar because then you could turn off a whole bunch of electronics whenever you leave. Uh, you can make it like a contest like, oh, who remembers the most to turn it off? Um, it's pretty fun. You can like add some fun ways to make sustainability more engaging. It's also a great way to kind of make it into a habit if you're like, oh, before we leave, like remember to turn off the power bar. Uh, adjusting your thermostat. So maybe if someone's cold, instead of going and cranking up the thermostat to make it tropical in your house, uh, grab a sweater, grab some blankets, make sure you're wearing socks. <laughs> uh, there's simple ways that are pretty fun. Sustainability, like often people think like, oh, I have to have all this stuff. Uh, sometimes it's just not having all that stuff. It's just doing the simple changes, uh, which can really make a difference. So even perhaps taking your child thrift shopping and talking about that, it's really simple like things that you can do. And a lot of them actually end up saving you money. So that's also why I love sustainability because a lot of my choices, especially while I was completing my undergrad, actually helped save me quite a bit of money. Talking about saving money, um, another Guelph-based, I will ask you to look up their website, but another Guelph-based organization, which I really stress, is a Guelph Tool Library. Uh, so you can actually get a membership through the Guelph Tool Library. And if you're not too sure what a tool library is, um, it's kind of, as the name would suggest, it's a library of tools that you can actually borrow. 
So such as a hammer, I cannot remember the exact statistic, but most hammers purchased will only be used like less than a minute in their lifetime. Wow. Because you won't, you don't actually like, unless you're constantly building, if you're constantly building, that's justifiable to have a hammer. But if it's to put up the odd picture frame, you probably don't need a hammer. Mm -hmm. I just looked it up here. It's uh, all one word actually. So Guelph Tool Library. Uh, .org. Yeah, we can and also include all these links in the show notes of the podcast. Absolutely. So them. Um, and they actually have a repair cafe. Yes. I used that repair cafe once. It was great. They were fantastic. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely a great way. It's I brought uh, in yeah, yeah I, say, I brought in um, <laughs> a really old pencil, sh- an electric pencil sharpener that no I've way. had for years, and I loved it. And this nice man, uh, it's all by donation. And then this nice man. He fixed it up and then it still it works. It's great. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. That's one of the things I absolutely love about the Guelph Tool Library is they host a lot of like sustainable like, community workshops and uh, they make them really affordable, which I love. So if you have an item, so say your toaster handle breaks off, uh, your microwave door all of a sudden won't shut properly, <laughs> you need the extra like slam, um, or your electric pencil mm-hmm. sharpener breaks. Instead of it being like, well, to the landfill it goes, save it, make it a family outing, grab any of your electronics, uh, anything that's broken and needs a repair, even like clothes that need mending and take them to the repair cafe. Yeah, it it's awesome. kind of helps to reduce that uh, waste mentality where it's just, I'm going to buy fresh. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of waste, what are your thoughts on food waste? Yeah, food waste is huge. That's one of the things that we're often, we talk about pretty much every day at the sustainability office, um, just because of the nature of uh, what we do. Uh, so I do know that you made that cookbook, which was incredible. Yes, that is the um, Rock What You've Got, uh, Recipes for Preventing Food Waste. It's a great name. Yes. Have you seen our cookbook? Yes, I have seen your cookbook. We actually were talking about it at the sustainability office a lot when it came out. That's amazing. Yeah, uh, it's, yeah it's, it's available uh, online to everyone, along with all of the Guelph Family Health Study cookbooks, for free, uh, downloadable. That's incredible. We'll definitely be sharing that on our social media as well. I would say, yeah, like that's actually one of the topics that we constantly get, even from university students, is how can I reduce my food waste? Mm-hmm. Uh, especially when whenever we put out questions for people, what, what people want to learn or what topics are people interested in? If we have like blog writing posts, like call outs, or if we're talking about volunteer programs, a lot of people are like food waste. Mm-hmm. I mean, it works well because you're at the food university, but it's also like you're kind of on that trend where like, wow, like there's a lot, there's a lot of information that can be shared, but also like needs to go out. What are so some ways? Awesome. Yeah, thank <laughs> yeah. you. So what <laughs> do you think some ways are to get kids involved in waste reduction? Yeah, so that's huge. Uh, for food waste, so uh, doing maybe like a scan of your fridge, seeing where you're keeping items. There's a lot of um, information out there on like where to properly keep items, like perhaps don't put the milk in the fridge door. Make sure that you're putting the proper vegetables in the crisper. Um, make sure you're eating the stuff that's at the, f- uh, the front of the fridge first. So if you have leftovers from the night before, even though if you might have space in the back of the fridge, don't put them there. They'll probably get forgotten. So like make those fun systems. Or if you have like a label maker, maybe put it on your t- your to go that says like the date or like eat this first. Mm-hmm. Make those note make those notes in your fridge. So there's definitely that way. There's also like even fun tips such as like using any of the food like make stock. Uh, that's pretty fun. It's a great way too. It's also a great way to kind of be inventive. So if you have like random 
items left over kind of do it like French chef style and be like what can we make with this yes <laughs> and do that like oh could we make a dessert could we make banana bread could we make um pretty much anything like your mm -hmm. the world is kind of yours to well to I make. find yeah. it's, it's such a it can be a challenge like so I find before I go grocery shopping I tend to do a quick inventory of what I have otherwise I come home <gasps> with things I thought I didn't have and then all of a sudden I've got five boxes of oatmeal and I don't need five boxes of oatmeal. That is right? a really good point. I always stress to everybody, like, look at what you have first before you go and buy new because it's very true. You can be like, oh, wait, I think that oatmeal has gone. You come home, there's like five boxes there's of oatmeal. There's five boatmeal. boxes of oatmeal. And you're like, yeah. oh, gosh. Um, even too, like, I always try and like eat before I go grocery shopping or I have that big where I'm like, I'm going to buy everything that I'd want to eat as soon as I get home. And then I have so much more food than I probably needed to purchase at the grocery store. Mm -hmm. So I always try to make sure I eat before I go. Uh, just that way I don't have those where I'm like, I'm going to buy everything that I want to eat right now. Right. <laughs> right. And so those are all really helpful tips. Uh, there's been some recent research at the University of Guelph that explored waste patterns among a sample of Guelph families. And they conducted these waste audits where they separated waste bins into avoidable and unavoidable food waste. So avoidable would be like a whole apple and unavoidable would be like a banana peel, for example, that, or coffee grounds. Those are all unavoidable wastes. Um, and they actually found that the top five avoidable foods in the bins were bread, tomatoes, apples, watermelon, and potatoes. So I was wondering if you had any tips for families on preventing waste from these specific foods. Yeah, so one thing that I started doing with bread is either putting it in the freezer, I generally will put it in the freezer if I'm not completely done with it, and or making croutons. Croutons Ooh. are really fun to make. I will then like kind of plan it out. So if I'm like, okay, this bread is kind of going a bit stale, um, instead of me being like, to the compost bin you go, I will be like, okay, croutons, and then maybe I'll have like Caesar salad or like make French onion soup like the week after. Awesome. So it's kind of like a neat way to kind of make those plans. And if you look at these cookbooks and kind of being like, oh, like, what can I do? Um, that's definitely for something for sure. And like mixing up, trying new recipes. So if you have that watermelon leftover, like, hey, why don't you try a watermelon salad if your kids didn't want to eat it as a snack? <laughs> um, so there's definitely quite a few things you can like do, like mix up your recipes, make sure you're also storing it properly. Those potatoes should not be sitting out on the, like at the counter. They should be like stored away properly. I know that's something huge. People are often like, oh, I didn't know where to put them. What, so what is proper storage for a potato? Cool, dark, and dry is the proper storage for a potato. Um, so perhaps under your counter. Also make sure quite open your counter, like your cabinets in your kitchen. That could also be probably a reason for food waste if people forget their potatoes are under the oh, counter. Yes. Uh, if it's out of sight, it's often out of mind. So making sure exactly like before you go grocery shopping, like do that kind of pull out. Um, even if you do it so like routinely, like once a week, let's kind of do an inventory of what we have, like what's going off, what's going to expire. That way you can kind of plan accordingly I know that takes quite a bit of time but even if you like maybe bring your kids involved and be like fun thing go check on all the expiry dates in the fridge and let me know what goes off this week because that way you can maybe plan it and um, it's nice too to gather people involved so it's not just on one person to be yeah. like the food waste detective mm -hmm. um, there's also quite a few things you can do too for um, packaging and sustainability with food things as such as like you can make your own beeswax wraps they're quite expensive to purchase if you're able to that's awesome because a lot of like local companies make them uh, but you can also kind of make your own so even like make your own snack bags um, you could rent like a sewing machine if you don't have one or go to one of the Guelph Tool Libraries workshops on making them because then you can kind of learn 
these skills are pretty fun too because I find quite a time um, like cutlery pouches for youth they like really love them like kids are like oh wow like Star Wars cutlery pouch actually the um, the Guelph Tool Library Repair Cafe does some sewing as well Yes, so that's yeah. incredible. Yeah, exactly for sewing. Like if you're like, oh, I like we can make a snack pouch or um, quite often like beeswax wraps because they're quite fun ways. They're also really nice too because they bring that conversation of food and uh, sustainability. So like packaging. So I know quite a few schools do literalist lunches. So it can be expensive sometimes and also be kind of time consuming if you have to try to like make every all the little like lunch components like zero waste so if you have fun ways sorry what is a beeswax wrap yeah i'll explain that so a beeswax wrap is it's uh, quite a popular trend right now it's essentially a cotton sheet of fabric cut into a size um, and then it is actually dipped in beeswax beeswax is pretty incredible it's actually antibacterial microbial so it's a great way it's basically acts as saran wrap or cling wrap so it has the same because of its like flexibility and its ability to kind of like cling to itself um you can store like half a lemon an onion anything really snacks in it you can pretty much uh cover anything you could even cover uh, like a salad bowl lid with it um for a certain amount of time they're pretty awesome people sometimes add like pine resin which is just this like sticky sap to make it extra sticky um they're kind of a nice way they can like replace ziploc baggies so if you're one of those families that like you go through ziploc baggies like every few days because your kids eat a lot of snacks on the go um you could like try beeswax wraps you could try like reusable snack pouches and those are items that you can either purchase and make sure they do not lose or you can try making your own which is fun too because that's kind of a nice activity to bring kids into for sure um well thank you for all those tips i think they were really realistic for parents and really fun for kids i like the idea of the kids being a detective and trying to figure out what to make um i also really appreciated what you said about not trying to compare yourself to people you see on Instagram, because that can be a dangerous place for looking for new information. Um, So the final question we have for you, Samantha, is if you've had any challenges while you've tried to live sustainably at your own, in your own home, and if what you've done to kind of overcome those challenges. Yeah, uh, for sure. There is quite a few products that I just use in my everyday life and sometimes I can't find them in like the certain packaging or sometimes I'm just really busy and I'm on the go and I'm like, okay, I have to go uh, grocery shopping. I don't have the time to go and do like all this zero waste shopping and go to all these stores. So there's quite a few things you can do. There's actually a zero waste grocery delivery service that I've utilized quite a few times. It was actually started by University of Guelph students, so PhD students. It was really cool. That's uh, really cool. I've never it, heard of that. It's called uh, Zerocery. So that was actually been a huge change that like I really appreciate. So they actually deliver groceries to your door. And it's reasonably priced, which is quite nice because they wanted that market so it can be affordable. So they like do deliveries right to your house. You can order online. So it's pretty much zero waste shopping. It's also, yeah, like a lot of items are really expensive. I just finished my undergrad. I don't have a ton of disposal income to spend on all these sustainability products that you'll see online, like on Instagram. And so what I kind of do, which I just try and make stuff myself, sometimes it does not end out very well, but sometimes it does. (laughs) It's also kind of fun to have those skills because a lot of like the like make it your own skills I find are coming back. So those are quite a few ways, but... Um, and it is, it's hard too, because sometimes you'll compare yourself or you're like, you kind of feel like, oh, like, well, I'm still producing waste once you like, when you're throwing stuff out. I try to take every small step as a win. So if I know I've replaced something, I'm like, okay, that's a win. Like what's next? Um, I never try to get too bogged down by being like, okay, I'm not perfectly zero waste. That's okay. That's not like, it's really hard to obtain that. Um, so yeah, just appreciating all the little small wins. 
Great. Um, well, thank you, Samantha, for joining us today. We definitely appreciate your time and your insight in this area. Um, we're hoping that our listeners can relate to everything that you've shared. In Healthy Habits, Happy Homes tradition, we give our audience three take-home tips. Samantha, do you have three tips to share? Uh, so, uh, as the motto says, rock what you've got. Uh, so, sustainability choices can be really affordable. Uh, just kind of look at what you already have. So, for an example, don't buy jars to store items in. Uh, maybe see what jars you already have. So, those pickles that you have that you bought, uh, the pasta jar containers, uh, instead of sending them to recycling with the hopes of them being recycled, perhaps just reusing them in your home. Uh, they can make great storage containers. Um, also, start small. Sustainability doesn't have to be just like this big transformational one day change. If you start even just room by room, little steps and those small actions make a big impact, especially if you're celebrating each little step as a win. Uh, the last one is there's a lot of community organizations and resources out there. Uh, they really do support sustainability and it kind of creates its own community in itself of sustainability and like-minded people. Uh, so take your kids out there and kind of explore the community and see how they can get involved and make it fun. Okay, well, thank you so much, Samantha, for joining us. And to everybody listening, uh, Sabrina and I are looking forward to you joining us on the next Happy Healthy Habits, Happy Homes podcast. Mm-hmm.